0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up, making things happen. We talk to creative people every week, and this week I've got two of them, Phil Scanlon mm-hmm. and Paul Vitigliano. They are the co-directors of the upcoming film Dragstrip 66, a pro It's a documentary all about my favorite nightclub ever in L.A., Drag Strip 66. It was like the Studio 54 of L.A., in the uh, 90s and 2000s, and um, I'm so excited they're making a movie about it. But before we get into that, a little disclaimer. Um, I'm aware that the sound has been wonky the last couple of weeks. I never adjusted any knobs or anything. It just happened like that. But I think I figured it out, and hopefully this intro that I'm doing right now is at a better level than what we've had for the past two or three episodes. However, I didn't have it figured out when I interviewed Paul and Phil I just tried to talk further away from the mic, but I don't know if that did any good. So I hope it's not too distorted. Um, I hope I've got it handled. My situation is so low tech that um, somehow one little uh, setting got adjusted by a ghost, I think, perhaps. And um, so thanks for your patience in that regard. Hopefully this is better. Um, Go to DennisAnyone.net. There's lots of fun things you can do there. There's going to be a few pictures from Dragstrip posted on the Paul and Phil episode and you can also uh sign up for my newsletter. You can uh like Dennis Anyone on Facebook, that's awesome. Share podcast with your friends if you like something and um give me a nice review on iTunes, that always helps. And you can contribute to my virtual tip jar if you want to help offset the cost of doing the podcast. Um, it helps a lot with like web hosting fees and services like that and um, I appreciate it. So um, without any further ado, here are Paul and Phil, the co-directors of Dragstrip 66, a frockumentary. Hey there. It's the Sunday of Pride, and I am in the Los Feliz apartment of Phil Scanlon. He is one of two directors of an upcoming frockumentary about my favorite club in LA ever, Drag Strip 66, and it's so fun to be here on Pride Day on a beautiful sunny day thanks for I'm also with Paul Vitigliano the other co-director you
1: can just call me Paul V Paul V which is why I've been Paul V for 30 years right Italian name why would you decide Paul V did you just shorten it because people kept mangling it? Well, yeah, but also, when I was like 19, I yeah. had a radio job, and there were four, there were three Pauls that worked in this radio station. There was Paul L., Paul C., and me. Right. So we became Paul L., Paul C., and Paul V. Right. And, and then I started DJing shortly after, and of course I wish I had come up with a much more glamorous or interesting DJ name. Right. But I've just been DJ Paul V. since 1982.
0: And when you see that on a, on a flyer or something, you know you're going to get fun music just I, want to I, say I, that. I, uh, yes, sir. Okay. Okay, Phil, now you um, and Paul are co-directing this documentary about drag strip together. What's the actual title of the documentary?
2: It's Dragstrip 66, The Frockumentary.
0: Uh, I love the branding of The Frockumentary. That is very, very clever. Now, Phil, are, how do you come to Dragstrip? I know, Paul, you were one of the co-creators, co-creators of it, and you yeah. were there, and you spun every night.
1: Yeah, well, me and Tom Walker, I was right. the main DJ, Tom Walker, both of us, we swapped off, yeah. you know, would take breaks, and so it was the two of us that handled the music. Right. Right we, on. The, the club was co-created by Mr. Dan.
0: I love Mr. Dan.
1: A.K.A. Gino Loterman, Okay. Uh, and myself. In, right on. In 1993. 1993.
0: So, Phil, how's your connection to Dragstrip? Where did it come from? I'm just a big fan. I, I always
2: have been, but Paul and I and Mr. Dan never really connected until I learned that The finale was occurring, and that's when I knew I had to reach out because uh, time was ticking, and I really was such a big fan, and I knew that there was such a great uh, uh, community that was part of this, and I knew there was a story here that... I thought the world should really know about because it was really an underground club at the time and the concept of an un- un- underground club is uh, hard to think about these days Right due to the internet and Facebook and the, the way that we're connected all the time so right. um, it was
0: if you were there you know that that it was magic It was magic I discovered it kind of late like I'd heard about it and then when I finally went I went oh my god I've been missing this all this time I have so many memories of like Fun times there and kissing people. That's uh-huh. a club where people kiss people more than kiss. Yeah. yeah, but but it wasn't it wasn't people weren't standing and modeling. They yeah. were they were fre- fun and friendly. Yeah. But it wasn't super like um, sexual or anything. It was it was more
2: like it was about love in a larger sense. And I yeah. think that's why when you mentioned there was a lot of kissing going on,
0: I just remember. I also remember kissing. Um, like a group of friends, there was this little group of us that that went there and then we were like kissing each other. It was... it was... It's kind of like when you walk in, you, <laughs> you know. felt the love vibe of I, guess I did. It, it has magic. Cool. So, Phil, you were just a fan and you were like, I love this place. I want to I preserve this.
2: Well, if, I, if you remember what the experience was like when you walked in the door, yeah. th- that you knew it was unlike any other place that I had ever been to. And I always felt that way when I was there. And uh, when I learned that... This would be going away
0: forever, I thought. This this is a story that must be shared. So. Right. You gotta you gotta preserve it. Now, the finale. That mm-hmm. was the final night of Drag Ship ever. <sighs> are, are, or are you gonna be like Naomi Judd and keep threatening to go away and never really go away? Well Which I hope is the case.
1: We've gone away in terms of being, you know, a set event that right. that happens on a certain time right. you know, of the month or whatever. We just did a fundraiser at Akbar right. for the for the frockumentary and, right. and Mr. Dan, who said I'd never ever want to be Gina Lollobrigida ever again, he was over it. He did it. And he did it. He, he's got a, because there's a little distance now. Yeah, you have to remember, and I and I I've been meaning to say this. You know, Mr. Dan did so much work. He rewrote all the drag queen song parodies. He handled...
0: In other words, the drag queens weren't writing their own song parodies. No, I mean, he, was- he would
1: collaborate. Right, I mean, right, right. was collaboration, right. but Dan would have to meet with them and sit them yeah. down and get a pen and say, let's rewrite this song so you can sing it. So he did that. He would create the music on his keyboard. He would find the karaoke track, whatever it was. He also handled all the... Set decorations and the and the you know how the stage looked and how the club looked when you walk in. So Dan had this like lion's share of stuff right to do, and I had less because I was the DJ. I helped him right, but Dan really did a lot of work. So by the time twenty years rolled around, you know Dan was sort of kind of I need to exhale right. I need not just I don't want to be in drag anymore. It's right. like this is a lot of work. Right. And I'm not 30 years old anymore. So that's, that's, you know, why we decided the 20th anniversary would be the final event. That
0: would be the big thing. Now, here's what else I remember. The first time I went there, it's kind of a line outside or whatever. Right. It's a little bit of a scene. I remember how friendly the people at the door were. I was mm-hmm. shocked by that. It was like, welcome, welcome, you're here. Mr. Dan was always so nice. Well, that's an. interesting That was like thing. really um, disarming because it's not what you expect for a club that's popular and buzzy.
1: Well, we broke
0: all the rules, right? Because, By being nice. Like, well, but our staff, <laughs> yeah.
1: all the staff that you saw were right. our or were, were our staff yeah. and our friends. So you had Sugar, who was like your money girl. Right. You had you had Daryl, big. Big black divinity fudge Daryl, right? As quote unquote
0: security. Wait, I think it's the Daryl that I know. What's his Jeff, last name? Daryl Carlton. Okay. Yeah, he
1: was quote unquote security, right? Which meant you know, look, be a be a big dude if you need to. if right. People are unruly. Right. Um, and I you know a couple other people that would be greeters. Right. Um, we had no security per se. There was no um, hired people. To sort of strong arm you. So like our family, the Dragstrip family was like your family. Right. When you showed up, you knew everybody you were going to see at the door, including, you know, Dan will go out. Mr. Dan will go out before he had to, you know, do this show. Right. So you kind of got this inviting energy even before you stepped foot in the club. And we knew like, oh, my God, these people have been in line for a long time. So let's make their experience in line be just as fun yeah. as when they
0: get in. You, you felt know? safe. You didn't feel like they were going to... I don't know. You just felt like you were welcome. Even if you had to wait a while, you felt welcome. Yeah. And there, so was never, gonna,
2: there was never any fighting there. You know, yeah. there were... I mean, although uh, there was a security person there, you never had to break up any fights. No. So that's quite a remarkable achievement for 20 years. And yeah. considering the crowds that went through there each time, and yeah. the amount of people that would... I mean, you know,
1: we were at Rodolfo's that held I think the legal capacity was probably 450. Right. We would have 1,000 people through the door. Not all at once, but, I mean, right. it was... You got about a square foot of yeah. space. and Maybe it,
0: that's why all the kissing happened. It was. That's, yes, it was.
2: I agree. I, it was, it was a, you could find friends there so quickly, and they would be your friends for life. So the club set the stage for so many connections to occur, whether they be sexual or social. But there are so many stories... From people who we have interviewed, who have said, uh, you know, all my best and dearest friends are a result of me going to drag. Strip. Well, we
1: were I-
0: strangers when we met, wow. and now
1: we've been best friends ever since we met. I, I love mean, that. Huge.
2: It's a great thing.
0: Phil, what's your favorite memory of drag strip? Oh, I, you know, I think the
2: stage shows and yeah. the mix of music that Paul played, because it was always, you know, it, it, surprising and always, you know, a fantastic mashup of different styles. So the, the there was so much energy on the dance floor. In fact, I was on the dance floor most of the time. Right. Um the just the music was so fantastic.
0: Were you single most of the time you were going there or in a relationship? Or no, dating? I was single.
2: Yeah. I was single. So it was Did a, you kiss
0: a lot of boys? I did.
2: Right. right. It was it <laughs> up was, against
0: the mirror, remember
2: yes. the mirror? Oh
1: yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Nice. Always, always steamy. That mirror was always steamy.
0: Okay. Because it was so hot. You know, yeah. you know, it was like always just like a sauna in there. Now, when you think of clubs like Studio 54, they have their legends too. Like Bianca Jagger used to do Cope with Liza Minnelli or whatever. Right. What is the drag strip version of those stories? Well, the, the sort of le- the, the urban legendy ones. The well, well, the, 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 there's two. Okay. The
1: big one is the night we got raided. It was our sixth event in June of 93. Oh, shit. And the theme was Vegas and space.
0: Okay, like you, of course. Yes. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Vegas on its own isn't enough. Of course. Well, it was a movie, actually. Oh, right It was right a on. gay drag
1: movie Okay. by Philip R. Ford, him okay. credit. So we were doing the premiere party. So I don't know, it was like midnight, and all of a sudden the fire marshals are there, and we're like, oh, well, you have to empty the club so we can do a head count and make sure you're not over capacity. Right, right. And we're like, okay, we're this, this is BS. Right. So they herded everybody out into the parking lot. Okay, so here we have four or five hundred queens and, and guys, you know, whatever in the parking yeah, lot.
0: Yeah, because not everyone, for no. everyone, people in, not in LA, there are there are a lot of people in drag having fun in the shows, and then there's it's also just regular people yeah. out of drag.
1: It really was a whole complete. And every,
0: no matter which you were, you felt safe there. That's right, and welcomed, yeah, supported, yeah.
1: yeah. So you know, we're all kind of waiting, and they're jerking us around. Now, you also have to remember, Dennis. Here we are in a one story building that's not on fire. Right. And they sent two hook and ladders, six black and whites, and then the grand finale, they send a helicopter over the park Oh my god. The, Please they, tell
0: me they were really male strippers and they are just doing a show. Uh, no? We wish. Well it's funny. There was because a show.
1: There was a show. But somebody Scott Craig from Akbar is right. in part of our is in the movie and right. he said, you know, we saw fire marshals marshals and at first we were like, Are they in drag? <laughs> and it's like, no, we're getting busted.
0: Right. Um, You don't know if they're in the theme. No. Yeah.
1: But so we're waiting and we're waiting and the helicopter flies over. And what do helicopters do when they're trying to scope out trouble? They shine Shine a light. light. What
2: do queens do when they see a spotlight?
1: 500 people erupted. okay, And clapped and the whole thing. Meanwhile, everybody is sort of whispering, Stonewall
0: 93.
1: Right. To each other because we were like going to stand our ground. We were not going to be pussies to these to this bull right. BS. Can we swear?
0: Yeah, you can totally swear.
1: We were not going to be pussies to this bullshit. Right, you know, let's do a head count, you know, thing. Yeah, so. They fin- of course, they finished the head count, and they have really got nothing to bust us for. And they're like, well, I guess you can go back in. Now, meanwhile... So they didn't have
0: anything on you? You, you know, weren't at I capacity? Mean, we,
1: we were, but it might have been like 80 people over. Right. You know? Okay. And it, but see, also, you have to remember, Dennis, by the time they were done, they saw what was happening with us. They thought we were all going to leave with our, our tails between our legs. You know, send send the queers and the the drag queens home. The party's over. Ha ha! We busted your party. Well, that didn't happen. Even though we had cops, we have cops on film saying, you know, turn that camera off. This is this is unlawful assembly. Leave now, or you'll be arrested. And it's like we're here because you made us leave our innocent fun drag party.
0: Right. So that was. Why do you think they went there? Because they'd heard reports that it was over capacity. No, they got, a,
1: they got a phone call. Right. You, they have to go when they get a phone call. Yeah. But what happened after, we met with Jackie Goldberg.
0: Who's Jackie Goldberg? Jackie
1: Goldberg was the Silver, Silver Lake City Councilwoman at okay. the time. Les- All right. Lesbian. Great. And we had the videotape of the cops saying these things. And we said, I think, you know, the media will be very interested in seeing this footage, don't you? Wow. And it was with Nina Del Campo, who owns Casita Del Campo. Love that. And Love who, her. Who owned Rodolfo's. Yeah. And we said this this was nothing but harassment. Um, you know, OK, fine. If someone called, yes, they have to come. But guess whose tax money paid for two hook and ladders and six black and white cop cars and 15 cops.
0: So that's, that's maybe a- they just wanted to all go see the fun drag show, see the people because right. there's always something to see. But what, maybe they just wanted to thought it would be fun.
1: The other great story is that well, so there, so okay. some of us are waiting and on. The so did you side all just drag- go back
0: inside and carry on the party?
1: Yeah, but in the meantime, before before it was like over and they left. Queens were standing on the fire trucks taking photos. Oh, I love it. They were posing it. in front of the front of the black and whites. They were posing with the cops. I mean, were there any hot,
0: hot cops? Or yeah? yeah, they were all hot. Yeah. When, when I was in a Starbucks yesterday and saw the hottest cop in the world. And the way that uniform fit yes. him. It was, and then he went and got on a motorcycle that had like a cannon on the back of it. I don't oh, know what. God. Anyway.
1: Now, now the other sort of legendary stories. is Tracy Lord's.
0: Oh, the porn star, former porn star, former porn star, who I interviewed once for Detour Magazine.
1: She came for our fifth anniversary. We nice. Did a, we did a Kitty Queen pageant. Okay. Again, we pre we presaged John Ramsey, but right, so we were ahead of the curve. Yes, we were. So she's there, and like there was these two lesbians and and um, a couple. One of them was talking to Tracy. The girlfriend got mad. Like a drink was thrown, and then a shoe was thrown, and then like someone stepped on the the lesbian's foot, and it was like this big
0: thing. So the biggest melee in drag strip history was, was lesbianic. Yeah,
1: yeah, and All I have, right. and not not to diss the lesbians, right. but it's just, just they like can pointed. they can be you know I, I'll put it this way: if it's a couple, if it's a lesbian yes. couple. Like I think a gay couple is less like, oh, you're hitting on my guy, right? Lesbians? Oh my God! If you hit on like the girlfriend of the lesbian, like you better—they throw down. Yeah, throw throw down.
0: down. So that went that went on with Tracy Lords. Yeah, was Tracy Lords hurt?
2: No, no. Okay,
0: that's a good one. She was really sweet about it, from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't very. Yeah. Now let's rattle off some of the fun themes because they had the most imaginative themes. And it was usually a theme that you could take in a drag way, or if you were like a boy that wanted to show off his body, that's right. You could work it that way or whatever. Well, I never like, really did the themes, but I appreciated the people that did.
1: Like for something like that, you know, we did jocks and frocks. Yeah, so I'm guys, all about guys it. Guys could come in sports drag or sure. jock straps, yeah, with makeup on their face for sure. Oh, um, I want to do that right
0: this second. I know. I want to do that. I I, wish I, you I am so nostalgic for the 90s and the. I, oh, what are the other themes? Uh, turban renewal, Queen like
2: Acres, how the pimp stole Christmas, Florence of Arabia, um, tranny get your gun, of course,
1: Victor Victoria's Secret, um, so Karen, fun, Karen, the, the Karen. Karen Black Knight. Karen Black came. That was another kind of infamous. That's cool. Night. She came on the second one we ever did.
0: You did two Karen Black Knights? No, I mean the, the, the second drag, strip. the second ever. She, and what was the was the it theme? It was called
1: the Karen Black Valentine Ball. But it was for Karen Valentine. Okay. And, of course, all these young listeners are like, who the hell is Karen
0: Valentine? Go Google. First Google of all, that. I love the fact that you think I have all all these young listeners. No, but I'm I saying. I have a few. Yeah,
1: but, but go yeah. Google Karen Valentine. She was on Room 222. So, again. I worked the with car, her on
0: this project. She was very nice. We mm-hmm. were doing
1: mashups before they had yeah. a name because we mashed up Karen Black and Karen Valentine. Yeah. But she showed up with her hairdresser. Karen Black did. Karen Black. She, she,
0: got, she got the word on the street that there was a club with her name in it. Yeah. And, and just showed up. And we went Were well, you just like freaked out? Yeah, completely.
1: It was the second one we ever Yes. Did. So we went to the door and, and talked to her. And, and the, she was very flabbergasted. And she was like, why me? And without missing a beat, Mr. Dan said, honey, why not?
0: Yeah. And that was it. And Mr. Dan I, is so clever oh with a yeah. quip. Oh, Mr. Dan is brilliant. I love it. Absolute brilliant. And you guys are still close, tight. We're best friends. Did you I mean, ever have a falling out over the club? Because running a club and all of that stuff, it's it's not easy. And we did did lived guys- t- we
1: lived together. Yeah. We were, we're, let me just set the records straight. No, we were never a romantic couple. Right. We were always just best friends. And he lived and we, we rented together for two years. And then when I bought my house, he lived with me for seven years. Yeah. And I did kind of have to kick him out because we were doing the club. And right. I, I was like, Dan, you know, I just need a break. Like, right. I, you know, if we're going to stay friends and right. keep the club going, we have to. I need to kick you out of the nest. Yeah. This is not the Golden Girls part two. Right. You know, I, I hope didn't, that's I didn't coming buy, up cause I, I need didn't, a place to live. I didn't buy this house so we can be like two old spinsters getting right. all together we we never really butt heads i mean sometimes we would we would disagree over like a theme cuz the key to the themes was it's what you said you know they had to be broad they couldn't be one note they had to be open to interpretation right
0: they 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 all had a twist to them they're really right. clever thank y- you you would put some time into thinking of those themes right
1: we did yeah, yeah. and we recycled them you know there's yeah. only so many things that you you know there's a circus there's shorts. Cool. there's uh farm yeah uh I don't know, you know, Broadway.
0: Yeah.
1: There's all these things and you you can only sort of say, okay, you know, we're doing a military theme in so many ways. That was another great theme. Thoroughly modern military.
0: <laughs> see, they're so clever. Isn't that? I, have, I want that to be an answer on Wheel of Fortune. Da, 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 da. Right? It should be. Because they're running out of stuff. They right. might as well. Right. Jeopardy. I think it's more appropriate than yeah. Jeopardy. Sure. What is? Yeah. I like leaning into a mic. What is thoroughly modern military? <laughs> I was um, recently watching Jeopardy, and there was a guy on it that was so cute that I took his picture on my phone, and I'm going to try to see if I can figure out who it is. Can I reveal uh, something about right myself? Yes.
1: I often will watch game shows and things, and I will literally kind of online stalk certain contestants. contestants. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they're gay. I wonder if they're single. Let me go search their name online right now. I know. And I've – you know what? I almost had sex with Hugh Hauser here's an exclusive talking here's an exclusive for for Dennis anyway right
0: he's the um, home dead now yeah who is is he an actor no Hugh Hauser did California's
1: Gold for years and years and years okay yeah yeah, yeah, he had a southern accent that's amazing right so he was like a It's like a hot daddy
0: right correspondent type yes and he was he he out did people know No, no
1: but he was definitely gay he oh right but he, I don't know, he did something on, like, a steam engine, and I saw it, and then I saw there was a way to contact him, and I had a crush on him forever. I'm like, you know what? I am just going to go for this. So, like, I sent an email to his producer, and then, like, I got this reply. It was him. And I said, and I
0: kind of, what like... What did you say in the email?
1: No, in the email, it was all very much, I thought that thing about the steam engines was so brilliant and really well done, and yeah. I'm so glad that you're blah,
0: blah, 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 right. blah, blah, blah. No um, flirty flirt yet.
1: Yeah. And Laying then, the groundwork. And then we, like ended up, we ended up speaking on the phone a okay. few times. Nice. And I never, you know, said, I'm gay and I think you're hot. Yeah. But then we had dinner at, I said, we ended up having dinner at Shandara. Yeah. In Larchmont. And he and I purposely picked it because I knew he lived in the Gaylord building, which was like the next block over thinking you did
2: your homework.
1: I did. See, I told you, like, well, I, have this really bad, I have this bad stalkerific thing going on.
0: I just call it skills. You have it, the but, skills. Yeah. But
1: by, by, by my age, if I don't. Right. And but so the, we finished dinner and I kind of just felt like saying, like, you know, I just want to, like, grab you and take your clothes off. But I'm You said like, that? No, I'm thinking this, and I didn't. I was like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, how, you know, here he is. He's not out. And I, don't, I assume, I guess he assumed I was gay. I don't right. know. But I just said, well, thanks for the nice dinner. Have a great night. And he died like six months later. Oh, my
0: gosh. So you yeah. didn't kiss him or nothing?
1: No. I think, I mean, I gave him a hug, but right. it was. And he had he, pro- he had prostate cancer. Wow! At that time, he didn't let anybody know. He sort of died suddenly. He didn't really let anybody know. He wow. was very private. He was a very private guy. But there's your Dennis. Anyone exclusive? That is that really good. I, I like that. could have
0: could have had Hugh Yeah. Now getting back to drag strip. What's the documentary called? Drive of 66, a frockumentary. The frockumentary. The frockumentary. Why 66? Was it just because L.A.'s on Route 66? Well, that
1: that was Dan. Dan. Mr. Dan came up, actually came up with the name yeah. Rodolfo's, which is on the corner of Riverside and Fletcher yes. in Silver Lake, which is now Home Restaurant. Right. That is That's on Route 66. 66. My so hometown
0: we, is on Route 66, so I have a real soft spot for it. Holbrook, Arizona. Wow. Which is if you watch that movie Cars and that there's that town on Route 66 that's kind of dying. That's kind of like my town. <laughs> they they shot or they shot some of that. They were inspired. Is by it some as of that. pretty as the town in Cars? Um, not quite, but it's <laughs> it's. I love the skies in Arizona. That's what I miss the most. But, um, but well, so Route 66. He, so
1: that and he and so he, he sort of again another mashup. He wanted it to be across between 77 Sunset Strip. Yeah. And Route 66, and drag. You know, we knew that we were going to have a themed club right. with drag. Yeah, and and then there was also the um, uh, car element. You know, a, dra- yeah. a drag strip is where you race cars, so it was kind of this whole jumble, right? Put
0: together. Now, how do you think drag strip would have coexisted with the phenomenon of RuPaul's Drag Race? Now. Would it have had an effect, or would those girls have gone there? Do you know what I mean? Oh, uh, like you had, yeah, I'm sure you had some overlap.
1: Yeah. Well, Drag Race girls did go right. to Drag Strip, mainly a little later, just because of their age range. Right. But, like, Tammy Brown, um, Raja, Detox, yeah. Alaska, uh, Delta Work. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, you know, we we feel that what we did... In our time, you know in our twenty years, really was you know it was still drag was underground and it was subversive and it was it was radical and it was a statement,
0: and not everybody did it and, and it, wasn't it, no, wasn't it was a trendy it was a trendy it was kind of like like now it's been it's really embraced now it's right, been, it was, now. yeah. Yeah. I think think that might have been why I didn't go right away. Mm -hmm. And then when I
1: went, I was like, oh, it's this. Well, that was a misconception that people who had never been thought it was only about the drag, and it wasn't at all. The drag was the touchstone. You know, the theme and the drag was the touchstone.
0: And it was the time, too. Drag wasn't... As accepted, even it wasn't within the big. gay community, right? Yeah, it wasn't as trendy or big or as accepted. It wasn't, you know what I well, mean? It,
1: it, you know, and we still face this today, you know, this sort of masculine part of the gay community that, right. you, know, uh, you know, I don't like femmes and I don't like drag and yeah. I'm a masculine gay man and that, you know, insults me and all this right. bullshit. We had a lot of that in the beginning, you know, it was like... Like, a lot of the West Hollywood guys, it took them seven years to finally come. Yeah, I mean, and then they were long. like, oh. Yeah, and then they were like, I'm never leaving.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's part of the deeper story of Dragstrip 66, and that is it created a space that allowed everyone to be themselves. Where Whatever you were on the range of uh, the heterosexuality, straight acting to uh, acting feminine, it did not matter, and lots of people crossed that divide many times. So you could be
0: one thing one week and one thing the next. Right,
2: right. but it was such an accepting space that even people within certain parts of the gay community felt like they could just express themselves and they were supported. So if you you think about it as a phenomenon in in the LGBT community, think about what that might mean to the larger community. I think as a subculture of gay people, we really... You know, we party a little harder, we sing a little louder, you know, because we're marginalized. But we, I think Paul and Dan created something that was much larger than anyone ever expected, and that's that's I think the deeper theme of this story. And I think it it represents the possibilities of what can be done, no matter what. Demographic you happen to be belong in, I think it's an important it's an important part of the human experience to have a space that will allow you to rethink your persona yeah. and be creative. Yeah. It's like Halloween and Christmas for adults. Did right. you
0: get into dressing up? Then? Not
2: really. Yeah, I'm, only because I'm lazy. Right. But- <laughs> but i love being there and i love to you know i think wait like, to see what people did with that yeah, thing yeah
1: well i want to add too you know we had this expression that we didn't care what your zip code was as long as when you got there you were in our zip code right. in other words if you're from west hollywood we're not going to prejudge you that you have attitude or you're going to stand and pose but it's up to you to prove us right, right. that when you're inside that you jump in just like everybody else, right. with no attitude, and have the same fervor as what's going on, right. and and it was sort of survival of the fittest. The ones that didn't get it, the ones that hated the rock and roll or the you know edgy music,
0: or sometimes kind of fun like like throwback songs. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, the ones who who didn't
1: get you know the, how quote unquote alternative the whole presentation was, right. they would not. They maybe they went once and probably yeah. never came back. The ones that did get it, you couldn't get rid of them. I mean, right. that was the thing. It was like it drew them in so strongly. Right. And like Phil said, they found this place. It was, it was refreshing. Kind of a, it was very much like in the Wizard of Oz when you know yeah. Judy Garland mm-hmm. leaves her sepia, you know her sepia existence, <laughs> and opens that door, and there's this whole world of yeah. Technicolor and, and beauty and fashion and messiness and craziness and fearlessness. And that was what happened when you opened the door to drag right.
0: strip. Where are you in the documentary process? Uh, we're kind of still...
2: At, I'd say we're at the tail end of production and we're ramping up into post. So we, we have plenty of archival material. So we're building um, a, a first pass, let's say. Yeah. So, and we have some more interviews that we want to shoot. But uh, the fundraising campaign that we're in the middle of now will yeah. dictate what the final film will be. So that final budget... Will allow us to make the movie that we
0: want to share with the world so you 're raising money now. How can people find out about that fundraising campaign and contribute
1: We are on Tubestart.com. dot com t- that 's a new one yes it 's a kind of an upstart site it 's t u b e s t a okay. r t com tube start um, just search for Dragstrip 66 or, you know, Frockumentary. Right. Um, and you'll find we're, we're right on their front page, but you'll okay. find it. Um,
0: the reason- I think if you got kissed at Dragstrip, you should donate. Yes. yes. Right? Very
1: good point. Yeah. Right? I mean, right? We, the, the, every, the reason we want everyone to donate is not just, okay, we're making a movie, we want, we want you to donate. We right. really do feel, you know, we want a 23-year-old, who loves RuPaul's Drag Race, who is, who is completely fearless now. We were just finding out, you know, there was this party the other night on the rooftop of a hotel. Right. A pool party full of drag queens, bearded drag queens, you know, in bikinis who didn't shave their hair. And that was our aesthetic. We were very much messy drag. Give us your statement. There's no right or wrong. If right. it's right for you, it's right for everybody. What we want to tell the world is there was this moment... You know, there was this galvanizing moment where a whole community came together for this club. Was once it a month, a month, once a month? Once, once yeah. a month. Came together and said, You're all welcome. We're all equal. We're all awesome. Yeah, you know, and shared this energy and now this, let's make out. Th- but this is yes, let's make out. But but this is why you can have <laughs> no, but this is why now in 2015, you can't have a pool party above ground. Right. With drag queens running around during the day. Right. You know, you have to start somewhere and the the influence spreads. And right. There
2: you go. No, oh, go ahead, Phil. I think there was an important aesthetic about drag strip, and I think if you were there, you experienced it, and that is that everybody who was there was part of the performance. The wall between the stage and the, the rest fourth of the wall. club the fourth wall was appeared disappeared and people were up on the stage off the stage while performances were occurring everybody had their own persona people were part of the promenade it it was all one fantastic performance so uh, even though a lot of people got kissed and a lot of people got hooked up i think people were there just to explore personas and be, to be part of it and yeah t- yeah to be completely unrestricted right in your imagination and that's what
0: people did i love that now um what kind of footage do you have of the performances were a lot of things taped or you're, you're kind of finding bits and pieces like i pretty much video i
1: had a direct to vhs camcorder remember those big things that would sit on your shoulder yeah i had one of those and i filmed from i don't know uh, the fourth or fifth one on no the third one on i filmed from the third one of that was march of 93 right. night, night of a zillion jams as in brady jam brady which was our biggest one of our biggest nights so i, I pretty much filmed <laughs> night
0: of a zillion jams <laughs>
1: i pretty much filmed everything right for about till about 2001 2002 and i yeah. made sure to get you know I would take my DJ break and I would just put that thing on my shoulder, walk through the bar area, walk into the patio, walk out front, get the dance floor, obviously film every show that we did. Right. Um, So we have in the backstage, in the kitchen, so we really have footage. We have tons. We have footage of pretty much every facet of. The club and it's but it's at Rodolfo's and even though we went you know, left drag ship at a, Rodolfo's was eleven years, right, then nine years at the Echo and the Echo Plex. Right. The Rodolfo years are mainly the story that we're telling. Because that's that, what
0: I remember the most. Yeah. For sure. That that
1: was where Rodolfo's was was a huge part of the magic. Yeah. It was a huge part of why we lasted so long because the Del Campos ran it and treated us like gold. They were so wonderful to deal with. And that's really rare when you do what we do. Yeah, to because, have a
0: club owner be... Oh, my God. go with you.
1: They were brilliant. You
0: know, I but, shot my, for, my first short film at Casita Del Campo. Uh-huh. Um, and we nearly got thrown out because one of my producers um, had a, went a little nuts. It was, it was our fault. And, uh, but they were super great.
1: Yeah, they're, they're family, you know, yeah. and it really was like we became part of the Del Campo family and they... You know, it was like, Nina, you know, we need really, we need real disco lights. Can we get, boom, and she'd get them. Wow. Because, we, I mean, we were, and look, we were, were making, making them money, money yeah, you know, sure. and they appreciated. That's the difference is like, you do clubs and club owners are like, give me, give me, give me, right. make me rich, and then screw you. And then they don't do things to help you. And we
2: never felt that way. They did, they were so amazing to yeah. work with. They were more like patrons. For yeah. All the artists that walked through the door. Right, they st- helped make create the space that allowed all those great shows. Yeah, to they happen. did
1: because, like I said, the venue was so key to the yeah. success for that eleven years that, you know, throw throw a monkey wrench into that and it would have radically changed our yeah. success. You know, so why did a, it
0: end? Did they just sell it?
1: No, the reason it ended was that in two thousand four. Why,
0: why did it end? At
1: Rodolfo's? Yeah, that, that, yeah, it yeah, uh, yeah. Rodolfo's ended in two thousand four because a. And this is sort of allegedly, but, you know, there was a gay salsa night on the fourth Saturday. They were a gay couple. They broke up. The bitter ex-lover tried to create a competing night and started to essentially call the fire marshal every single Saturday night. And every one of the Saturday events was packed to the gills. They were all popular. So here you have a fire marshal coming to a club every single Saturday. An overcapacity club, and by the, I don't know, the fifth or sixth time, I mean, literally, they were coming yeah. every Saturday night. They were like, You're done. We're gonna, you, you, the, the capacity is a 100. Yeah. And that was it.
0: Wow, that was the end of the club.
1: And, and that, yeah, and that person who made that call ruined, you know, not just a fun experience for the patrons, ruined the livelihoods of all the, the bar staff, ruined the livelihoods of, you know, the everybody who was involved. With us and all the clubs oh. ru- like ruined a, a beautiful thing for for hundreds and not just our club because all the other great clubs yeah. ru- really ruined that for hundreds and hundreds of people.
0: Do you tell that story in the procumentary we will i mean. I don't know because it is alleged,
2: but
1: that's the only way it's pretty much sort of, we know why it happened. Oh, Um,
0: that makes me so sad. But
2: I think the story that we have to tell is a very happy one. Sure. And it it, it occurred in a historical period that wasn't necessarily happy for the LGBT community. And I think that had... was
0: before protease inhibitors came on. Well, it's just as they they came
2: on the market. So I think, again, it opened its doors at a pivotal historical moment. Yeah. And it was a time when people were, and I, I'm talking about this personally. Yeah, I was coming out of my apartment again after feeling like the wolf was at my door for a decade. Right, and I was learning how to party again and not feeling so guilty about it. Right, and I have, a, I, I just had the feeling that everybody there was feeling the same way about it, but it was never spoken. Right. But there was a ferocity to the the way people were enjoying themselves. And I think what what gave that so much power was the fact that they were living. We were all living through such uh, really uh, frightening and sad times.
0: Yeah. You, does that get talked about in the documentary? I it, love that. It will, be, yeah, I think because the '90s we're starting now to sort of look at them because we haven't really looked at them, and I right. have such a soft spot for the '90s. Well, well we were I all had so, we we
1: so shell shocked, like Phil said. You know, yeah. like, uh, I came out in 1982. So my whole youth was in the shadow of AIDS and HIV. Right. And, and, you know, obviously when we started the club, it was all kind of our age group. Right. And, uh, you know, we all lost hundreds of friends. We were all, like Phil said, the, you know, the wolf was at the door. Could have, you know, it could be anybody at any point. And I, we literally started the week that Bill Clinton was sworn in. Oh, wow. And, you know, maybe it was just that perfect storm. It was like, finally, 12 years of, 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 of Reagan and Bush and and you know our community suffering so harshly okay here's this event that says let's celebrate again right and people got it and they they knew that like they had to carry it and had to right. feel uplifted and jump in and they did and so i i say perfect storm but it really was it was just the right moment right for it to for all come to converge and come together what was it like
0: at the end of each club when it's just you and dan cleaning up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Was it just like, we did it again? Or what was that I have to, Did you go to Pancakes? What happened? I have to tell
1: you, Dennis, you know, every, when every anniversary would roll around, because you have to remember, and again, you know, the club and the story is so much bigger than me and Dan. It's right. not even about us. No, it's, it's about, about a feeling. It's about everybody else. But, yeah. you know, every anniversary would roll around. It would be like, you know, third, a third anniversary, we're like, oh my god, they still love this. Seventh anniversary, Oh my! And you have to remember, again, Dennis, from the third event, from March of 93 to the minute they shut the doors of Rodolfo's, we were w- packed wall-to-wall people. It was still, this is where you have to go on the second Saturday of the month. And that's not like yeah. ego or no, it, was, it, it was. It was a phenomenon. Right. And, and again, never advertised. It was all word of mouth. Right. So everyone would roll around and Dan and I would just look at each other like, Okay, this really is a phenomenon, and let's just keep it going and, and keep it pure. You yeah. know, we never tainted it; Right. we there, kept it pure.
2: There's a great interview of Paul in the patio during this. I think it's the seventh anniversary, and it,
0: it's um, uh, with Lance Loud. With Lance yes. Loud. And Lance Loud was there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. He, he, was
1: interviewed, he took the camera and turned it on me. Wow, and
0: Lance I, Loud. For those of you who don't don't. Um, Can't place him. He was part of the Loud family that was the American family PBS documentary. He
1: was essentially the first person to come out on gay on TV in 1972.
0: And then he was also like a journalist and And he he passed away. A rock journalist. He was in a
1: band. He was in a band called The Mumps and was just a really amazing
2: person, but... He, he did a great, this great interview, and I couldn't help but smile to myself when one of the questions was, you know, uh, your seventh anniversary, that's almost hurt, unheard of in, in L.A. clubs, and you were talking about everything that you're talking about now, right. but little did you know that it would go on for so many more years, and, you know, it, could, it can continue to go on simply because of the the, the, the very unique aesthetic that the club created.
0: Yeah, it was magic. Well I just
1: want to say we you know, we did this fundraiser last week yeah. at Akbar. There were people who came to support us who came, who started coming in nineteen ninety three. They still it still has something in their heart. You yes. Know? That is so it's just rare, you know. Right. We all have, like, favorite things we do and favorite clubs we've been to, and we all have fun memories. And so I'm not saying these these are bigger or more important, but there's just
0: something. No, you're right. When you said that there's something in your heart, I was like, yes, because I can think of other places I've gone to dance and stuff in L.A. And maybe Oil Can Harry's. I have a place in my heart for that. I agree. And Drag Strip as well. Like, there's something about it. You're right. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about another project of yours and get a mention in the okay. born this way blog. Oh yeah. It's so cool. Thank you. Tell uh, listeners what that is. It's born this
1: way It was just a, a light bulb moment I had of, wouldn't it be cool if gay people could share their growing up gay story and sort of back it up with a photo of them as a kid, right. any childhood photo. And, uh, I, it was just a Google blog and I launched it and it, just took off like crazy. Um, and people, you know, got shared, like all over the world. And I was getting stories from, you know, Venezuela, and Russia, and, you know, New Finland, and like, it was insane. Um, and it just struck a chord because, and I always sort of maintained this, we've never really been able to tell the world what we go through as gay people in our childhoods, you know, we, 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 we are carrying a secret And we don't know what the secret is, but we know it's bad. Right. You know, we learn right away that, okay, if you're that thing, air quotes, thing, right, then you're wrong or bad or sinful. You know, religion yeah. played a big part of the negativity.
0: For me, it was about what I wanted to do. What I wanted—I wanted to play with my sister's Barbies. Right. I wanted to dance and, and choreograph little numbers in the playroom with the sliding glass door as a mirror. But I knew that if I were caught doing it, it would be bad. Right. I remember telling
2: my parents in front of the whole family that I wanted a light bright set instead, I had light of, instead of a gun, and the whole room just turned cold. Where did you grow up? In the Bronx.
0: Wow. Instead of like a toy gun or whatever. Yeah, yeah. If
2: all the all the boys wanted guns, and that yeah. I was supposed to say gun, and I said light bright, and I thought that I thought that glasses would just fall out of people.
0: And light masks. bright isn't even that gay. It's not like you wanted a you easy know a Barbie I, or no, Easy right, bake oven.
1: I wanted. Oh my god! I lived for Easy Bake Oven.
0: I love that you're just making a pie with a light bulb. It's right. Right. I wish I could do that today. The beauty of science. Mm. I love that. Now, what's amazing about the Born This Way blog, and it's still up and running, and mm-hmm. people still you still yeah. maintain it and all that. Yeah, it's it's the truth in the maxim: a picture is worth a thousand words. Because right. you see a picture of a little boy or a little girl, and and something about their body language, something about the way the look on their face, you're right. like, oh, that kid's gay. Yep. You don't need, it doesn't, you don't have to uh, you know peruse the picture really closely. You you get it in a second. That's right. And it's like, oh, that kid. He doesn't even know what sex is or anything, no. but boy, he knows how to bevel that foot. Well, that's,
1: the project started because of a photo. It was yeah. my friend Dennis from Long Beach. If you, so you've seen I've his, seen the photo, in, yeah. a, in a plaid jumpsuit. It was like one of those, you know, Olin Mills staged photos right. with a little shelf, and he's standing there, and he, he has, excuse me, has his hands on his hips, and his right leg cocked. Yeah. And I was like, just what you said, I saw it on MySpace, and I'm like, that's a gay boy. That's a little gay boy. Right. And and it was literally a light bulb moment. Like, I bet there's a lot of other little gay boys with photos. Like, and it right. really wasn't so much about show me your, the gayest photo you have. But let, that's okay. Like, we, you know, the blog has been taking a task at, some, at certain points. Like, you're furthering stereotypes. And you're saying that all gay boys are effeminate. And I'm just like, no, I'm not. I'm saying that this gay boy, that right. this
2: boy is effeminate. And yes, he's gay. But what, but the assumption is that you're effeminate that's bad. Right? Well, that's I, why thing. can't you be effeminate? Exactly. What's well, that? That's that's what I would
1: write in the about section. I'm like, right. listen, drop the bullshit that society has has spoon-fed you right about that masculine is good, feminine is bad. Right. Whether it's female or male, you know, if you're a lesbian and you look like a bull dyke or you're, you know, a right. truck driver, somehow that's wrong and it's like if we can't as a gay community Accept all the layers that make us gay, right. and that are part of our community. Then we're no we're no better than any of the straight people that try to you know denigrate us. We're just as bad.
0: Well, and also because it's kids, they're so innocent. They don't even know. That's right. They just know that this is how they want to express themselves. They're just being themselves. And that's the thing. You've got to let people be who they are. Yeah, right. But anyway. If
1: you,
2: if you take on that shame as a young person and, you can't, and you're so young you can't even identify it, Right. it stays pretty deeply in you. So that when you are an adult, it's hard to process all of that. And there's still that fear of, you know, I can't express myself too effeminately, or if I do, you know, I need to pull that back or if that person is, it's, it's again, it's still that stigma there. Yeah. It's going, it's, it's dissipating, but it's, I think that too many kids are raised with that yeah. negativity, but you
0: know, it's a, it's a very clever, um, enlightening, Thank original you. thing that you're doing. What's the most random thing that's come out of it? Somebody you've struck up a friendship with, or has it um, well, I mean, the I got, media I got, thing?
1: I got to put out, you know, a book version of it. That yes. was great. I actually just got a, an email literally two weeks ago from a mom mm-hmm. who read the blog, and she and I've gotten many of these, but this is, it's a, this is the most recent. She said, you know, my six-year-old, he's sort of so, showing the signs. He loves to play with his sister's dolls. Um, he wants to wear like a princess outfit. He wanted me to do his nails. I said, no, we're just going to do your toenails just, you know, to be safe. And what do I do? Should I, uh, do I bring it up? Do I ask him? And I've played Dr. Phil quite often. Right. Since the blog that's started. That's an interesting position to find yourself I, in. I want that though. Okay, good. I want to I talk to parents and right. say, first of all, you're a great mom. Because she's yeah. like, I've made it clear to him that I love him no matter what, and I support right. him no matter what. But her thing is like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he is, but I don't want to. I don't want to like insult him, right? Or, or get him
0: thinking about right. things that He doesn't need to be or thinking about his right now. Is mommy
1: noticing something that's bad or right. whatever? I told her the best way to broach it now because he's six is just say, "Hey, honey, how's school going? You know, who are your friends at school? Do you have any crushes at school? You know, who do you have a crush on?" And, like, let him answer. Yeah. See what he says. And, and she can even take it one step further and say, do you have a crush on a girl or a boy? Because it's okay. You can, you can have a crush on, on anyone you want.
0: Right. Just
1: kind of, like, put that out there that there's no right or wrong crush. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong love she's like well I didn't even think of that because again it's not about sexuality it's about innate attractions we all have by six
0: who do you want to hang out with who do you want to be close to who do you want to be around and we
1: know that by by age six yeah you do
0: straight people know it and so do gay people right I remember some pictures from your blog that were like a group of four brothers, and then there's the one that's like clear, you know, it's with so, the
1: Cabbage Patch doll. Yes, you
0: know? it's so like uh, there were a number of them that, where yeah. it's where, where there's a group, and you just right. see and you and you look at those pictures and you see their whole story and you see their whole childhood and you see the struggle and you see the yeah the thing that's right there in front of everyone's face and how how people deal with it. Hopefully, and it looks like they're dealing with it better they as are. we get, I mean, as we go along. You know,
1: the fact that this mom is enlightened. Yes, you know, she lives in Burbank. You know, she's enlightened enough. To know the message she needs to give to all her kids yeah. is, I love you unconditionally. I support you unconditionally. You be whoever you are, right. and mommy loves you. I mean, that's that's huge.
0: Do you ever get letters or like entries for the blog that make you cry?
1: I've gotten a couple. Yeah, there's yeah. one.
0: kid Where you're like posting it, and you're like <laughs> a little blubbery
1: yeah there I remember one this guy from San Diego he was like in the sixties and his is a school photo, yeah, and it's just a close up from the neck up and there's like every amount of rage and frustration and anger in this little kid's face, and he grew up in a in an extremely religious home right where the, like the father would literally put up photos of gay men and lesbians and say, This is the devil, they burn in hell, oh you boy know? I mean like hardcore right you know, horrible messaging. And he just, like, he knew he was gay and, of course, could never tell this crazy father and mother um, and just had this horrible, miserable childhood. And the the it's not so much the story of the horrible, miserable childhood that makes me cry because I expect that or I, or I, I know that it, it happens. Right. It's the end of the story when they tell you in their adult voice, I shed all that. I moved, you know, I moved away. I found my family, my real family that are not related to me by blood. I found like my tribe of people and my support system and I'm happy and
0: successful. That's. And I, I'm, I'm who I am. And I I'm, get to be who I'm I am.
1: Whole, yes, I'm a whole person. Oh,
0: that's that almost cry, makes me cry, that's the
2: crime moment,
0: yeah. you know? All right. I love that. Check out that born this way blog.com. Now you both take some questions from the observation deck. So Phil, let's start with one of yours. What is the, what's okay. the question?
2: Okay. What's the most crazy thing you've done in pursuit of a crush? Yeah. Well, I'm, I know I'm going to be oversharing when I say this. because this—I love
0: We love oversharing. It's,
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's rather current and it's kind of in process. And I think if I speak of it, uh, you, you might t- talk me out of it. But I have this crazy crush on George Maharis. He was a the big TV star in the early 60s. I just happened to see Route 66 on my television as I was doing some work. Um, and he's a super hot dude who, you know, drove around in a convertible in the 60s with this other hot dude. Right. And, you know, had adventures together. Right. So, of course, just like you mentioned, every commercial I ran to, to my computer to look him up and I found out all about him and I became more and more intrigued. He's He happens to be 87 years old and I need to hook up with him. Oh, my God. But... but I know well, that's, that's well, so exciting but I know there are certain limitations to that because right. of our age difference and the fact that I can't find him anywhere although I've been making attempts so I I I want to talk about my next fundraising campaign and that is to um raise money so I can raise myself and George Maharis in a petri dish yeah. so that as we grow together <coughs> over time we'll be the same age but the, the tricky part is to get a swab of his DNA so I still have to meet him yeah, that's and a lot. somehow get a cotton okay, swab okay. Wait, in his mouth. Can, can, yeah. we, can we just support it.
0: I, I support it
2: 100%. Let's I'm say. on board. Where do I, okay. I sign off I, on that totally. I know. I'm, I am I should be talking about the current campaign, but that's the next one. I
1: it. You know what, Phil? I, I have a solution for you, maybe. Oh, uh-huh. I have this other blog that started because of Born This Way called My First Gay Crush Blog. You should search it and then you can, you can, you know, live post like,
0: on there. Yeah, and
2: you can tell your story there and live vicariously. Like I'm a 55-year-old th- man and I wanted to share my first gay crush with you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's how it works. That's, that's, how, how, it is. How, that's how great things start, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yes.
0: My first gay crush was Willie Ames. Oh. He enough. Yeah, yeah Tommy Bradford. Mm-hmm. He wore Angel's Flight pants. He had a van and I think he popped in that van. I'm sure he oh, did. Sure. Yeah, and I used to fantasize about him a little bit. Yeah, he's my dude. He was on Scavenger Hunt, that movie with Dirk Benedict. Really, he was in Paradise, and then he got weird. Yeah, but that's okay. Oh yeah, he got some. Who's your first? Yeah, who's your first? Oh, skate David crush? Cassidy. Oh
1: yeah, yeah.
0: He he was hot. Hey. I think I, I like the way you. he would go. What think I love yeah. you? Oh, he was
1: oh my god, and I he could shake his I head so his
0: hair just moved yeah. so beautifully. He really did it. And pukas shells,
1: come on. My heart and my loin burned. Oh boy, he
0: was doing a show recently in... Uh, in morongo. He just yeah. yeah. So uh, there you go. He's still he's still delivering the goods. Is. And
1: uh, you know he's very hung. Really? Yes. How do we know this? And we met him, Mr. Dana. Uh, and I, yeah. this is a precursor to drag strip. The first right. club we did was Mystery Date.
0: Oh it was God! A, it was, Mystery Date sounds fun. It
1: was a weekly themed club right. with TV themes, and it was so oh. much work, and we never we never made any money, and it was hor- it was like. But we did "Happy Birthday," David Cassidy it was his 40th. April twelfth. It was yes, I know this I, because yes, on I have album. the today. Ca- yeah. album,
0: yeah. But it was his fortieth
1: birthday, and I knew his manager. He agreed to meet with us, and we filmed this ridiculous thing. We're like we're walking through the halls of a, of a building trying to find David Cassidy. So like a door opens, and a swivel chair turns around, and David Cassidy in his ABA sunglasses. That's right. And the three of us like start screaming like you know we found like One Direction fans at right. the time. And yeah, he he let us do it. But did he come to the club?
0: No, he, he just did the video. That's
1: why yeah. he videoed. He was going to be out of town, so he did So he's cool.
0: He was very cool. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. I want him and Donny Osmond to make out. I'm sure they have. Can we make that? Can we start a fundraising thing for that? <laughs> All right, Paul, your turn with a question. Uh,
1: let's see. Who's the most famous person you've ever been in an elevator with? Yeah. Um, when I worked for Warner Records, okay. uh, there was a convention in Florida, and so, like, you know, it was all the staff of the record company and different artists, and I get on this elevator with Chris Isaac.
0: Right on. Talk right. about home. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God, and his hands. Have you ever shaken his hands? They're, like, they're, like... like like, beef steak with fingers.
0: I had a dream about Chris Pratt recently, and he had beefsteak finger hands. Right. But I can't speak to uh, Chris Isaac. Continue. Well, so
1: he was with this woman, Linda, who worked at the record company, and right. we very close, and I shook his hand, and, like, he was still holding my hand, and he went and kissed Linda on the cheek, and then he kissed me on the cheek, and I was like a puddle. I'm like, Chris Isaac just kissed me in an elevator.
0: Yeah. He must have felt good about his record contract that day. I think he, yeah. You know, he's got to be in a pretty good mood. Well, he didn't
1: really know. I didn't really work his yeah. record. Yeah. So he didn't know, like, what my role was. So I think he was like, well, I'll give this dude a kiss, too, if I yeah, don't get my
0: record on the radio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm Chris Isaac. I'm going to share. i got to spread it around.
2: Yeah Yeah you, If you just moved, tilt your head a bit You could have been French kissing him And he wouldn't I, I know would I, I should have
0: it. done that fake up then You in were in an future.
2: elevator too So there was nowhere for him to go That's true That's
0: exciting Alright Phil Do you have another question? Uh, <clears throat> whose
2: job offers would you like to receive? Yeah Um uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> Uh, I would love to be a late night talk, talk show host. Oh, that would be a S- fun thing. Steve Colbert. Yeah. I, I would love to have a persona that would just be just so obnoxious that I would not allow my guests to really speak for any length. And I would be you mean like now more than that. It would be more obnoxious. And I would just, whenever they would talk about their achievements, I would lie about my achievements. Yeah. Just kind of do a one-upmanship and just mispronounce their names and just be really rude and loud and obnoxious. I know that wouldn't get me ratings, but I just want to do it.
0: Yeah, you just see how it feels. Mm -hmm. Do a welcome-to-me thing like in that movie. Right. I love that. All right. Paul, do you have another question? I do. And this one
1: is, what was your favorite or most memorable birthday? Yeah. And this was at Drag Ship 66. Right on. This was like around 1996, 95 or so. At the time, I was working with Perry Farrell. Uh, from James yeah Adventure. right and he came to the club and it was my birthday it was May 13th it fell on that Saturday right and he uh, surprised me went out on stage I was in nurse drag I was dressed like a nurse right uh, and Perry Farrell sang Happy Birthday to Me on stage at Dragstrip 66, and uh, that was pretty.
0: And it was a surprise. You didn't know. He I was didn't coming-
1: know. No, I knew, he was, I knew he might come, Right, but I didn't know that he was going to sing Happy Birthday.
0: He was sexy. He is sexy.
1: Yeah. He- He's still alive, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jane's Addiction is sort of back together and touring, and they've, they've got the song and entourage and everything. Right on.
0: Yeah. Did you like working and, in the yeah. record business?
1: um i did for a short time it got um again it was it was in an era where like al- alternative music was sort of just blossoming and right it was still kind of pure and it, it got kind of co-opted when it broke like after Lollapalooza and nirvana it changed everything and it became you had people from the top 40 world now doing all the alternative world and it wasn't the same thing and I just got tired of being a radio promo guy, and I ended up managing Perry. I quit Warners to work with Perry. Oh, that's, that's cool. Of, yeah. So I kind of segued rather than turned away. I figured, well, I can work with an artist I love, still be connected to the record company because he was signed to Warner, you know, but not have to do the job yeah. I had been doing.
0: right, and you're just with one person, and you liked him. I love hearing when celebrities are nice. Yeah.
1: Oh, Perry's great. I love him. He, he, he will – Perry Farrell, if you're listening – Oh, I'm sure he is. He, no, he knows we're making the documentary, okay. and he said, yes, I want to do an interview. It's just okay. been impossible to get him. Sure. So, Perry Farrell, if you're listening, we're going to make this happen, and we're going to show the video of you singing, because we have it on video, we're going to show the video of you singing Happy Birthday to Me, and you will be in Drag Ship 66, the frockumentary.
0: I love that. Bam. Do you have any more questions, or did you do them all? Uh, I just had two. Okay. you have another I'm
1: one? Good. No, I'm good. Well, you we, have, I want to I hear, right. I'll show well,
0: you the one that I want to hear the answer to. Okay. Um, this one, because you're a DJ. Okay. What song makes you cry?
1: Well, I will preface it by saying that I've long told people this song will play at my funeral or my memorial. Okay. But it will be followed by Last Dance by Donna Summer. Yes. However, this is the one that will play so that everybody will blubber and remember me. I hope you know this. It's called Song of the Siren. It was originally done by Tim Buckley. It was covered by this mortal coil and sung by Elizabeth Frazier of the Cocteau Twins. This was like, I don't know, 89 when it came out. And it's like, I mean, it's a beautiful song, but like Elizabeth Frazier from the Cocteau Twins singing it, it's like, it's just, it's, yeah. It's, It's kind of impossible to hear it without feeling this like very strong, sad, beautiful emotion. So yeah it, i gotta
0: check that out what's the name of it again song
1: to the siren yeah. oh yeah and it's by this mortal coil yes. mm-hmm. and it's a cover like i said tim buckley the 60s right sort of folk guy did it originally jeff nice. buckley's father jeff buckley okay. who ended up being a singer
0: and drowning nice. in the 90s see it all comes back to the 90s now paul when you're a drag66 doing your spinning working everything do you have time to flirt or anything like that no.
1: I no. mean, not really. Right. Like I said, if I took my break with the camera, I could I could go talk to people, but you know You were working. I was working, but also, you know, I hate to say it, people if they knew me as just DJ Paul V and not yeah. as Paul, they were like they in a in a strange way felt like I was sort of famous or a celebrity. Right. And so they felt intimidated to talk to me. Which was always drove me crazy because I'm the most approachable person you've ever met. And you know, I love to talk to everybody. But also I I wasn't completely totally comfortable being in drag, right. Trying to cruise a guy. Oh, because you were always in drag too. I was always in drag. Yeah. So I mean I only had drag sex and drag one time back in Boston with this guy I was dating and it was Halloween and we went to his place after. And I kind of kept some of it on, like I kept the nylons on and the bra. And we, you know, we fooled around.
0: But what I got, kind of drag was it? Did, were you like kind of a character or just pr- was, a girl? It was kind of dominatrixy. Okay, you know. And was, what was he dressed as?
1: He wasn't. He was just right. his hot his hot
0: self. That's so hot. But, the, but but that was back in Boston. But
1: yeah, but doing it wasn't. like right. I got the idea. I, yeah, I got no charge out of it, and Right. I
0: didn't. But I, I, I was
1: also young. I was like twenty three. Right. I didn't really find it sexy or interesting. It kind of freaked me out. Like. Why am I still dressed like a girl?
0: Yeah, but no, it's a great story. Come on, it is a great story.
1: But drag strip, you know, like I definitely know that there were guys in drag that were chatting up hot guys that would never consider a drag queen like to cruise them, right? Who were making hookups? Yeah, drag non-drag. Those hookups were happening.
0: Yeah, the rules were getting broken. Yeah, people's um, inhibitions and barriers were coming down. Because
1: we, you know, I, when I was younger, I loved David Cassidy and I loved Farrah Fawcett. Like right. I thought, Farrah, I could appreciate Farrah Fawcett's insane aesthetic. She's beautiful. Right. I didn't want to fuck her.
0: Right, but I want to go skateboarding had, with her.
1: Yeah, totally roller discoing. Yeah. But I had her poster on my wall too with those nipples and the yeah. bridge, you know. So I think as humans, like Phil said earlier, the spectrum, you know, we, we all have this this uh we're all capable of being attractive to humans. Right. You know. So let's that, celebrate it all. Right. And yes, so what, Yeah, that's so what I, the club was about. Yeah. I think it I think that opened a lot of people's minds when they were at Drag Strip like I've never I've never pondered any kind of like feminine or non-masculine connection yet i'm making one now yeah so i think that was new for a lot of people
0: that's really cool all right we're gonna wrap it up but i have one more question for you but let's get a plug in again for the uh fundraising campaign tube start
2: tube start yeah okay we're our goal is to raise sixty six thousand dollars in sixty six days and so, so we have about 58 more days to go so we're we just launched last week with the fundraiser at Bar. so we're hoping to spread the word and you know in the coming days um through facebook and other channels so if you you want to know know more about it right or if you want to <clears throat> donate paul can give you the address
1: yes it's tubestart.com the project number actually is 7996. All right. Um, so you can you can either find it there or just under Dragstrip 66, the documentary. Of course, like us on Facebook, Dragstrip 66. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Dragstrip Movie. Um, YouTube, I think people should check out too. We've been making yeah. these things called Dragstrip sixty six seconds. Oh, fun! Which are literally a minute and six seconds of like archival snippets. Fun. So you just get a little taste of a different theme. Love it. So find us on YouTube under Dragstrip Documentary. Nice. Um, but yeah, TubeStar dot com.
0: Right.
2: Donate, donate, give support. You and, know, and tell to help us spread word of this important story that we have to share. So donate and like us on Facebook and take a look at the video that we have posted on TubeStart and share with your friends. It's a, it's a great clip that says a lot about what we're trying to do.
1: Right. And it's an, it'll be a nice slice of history. Yeah, no, it's a know?
0: time when, um, it's time that hasn't really been documented, but we want to look at it again, you know, and it is a time capsule. Yes. You know? It's oh, a
1: moment in time. That's so uh,
0: magic. Um, last question. What song do you hear now? And you think drag strip, I wish I had one. I don't really have one. There's a, Except I think you played, like, you would play disco sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like we play played like, everything. You played everything. We literally did. I, we, I feel like I danced to Laura Branigan at Dragstrip. Oh, yeah. Is that a possibility? Yeah, we, I feel like I danced to Gloria yeah, I played at Dragstrip.
1: We played We played Parliament Funkadelic. We played yeah. Marilyn Manson. We played right. Nancy Sinatra. Yeah. We played uh, the Ramones. We played The Cure. I mean, yeah. it really was. I made a joke the other day. What we were doing... And Tom and I both, what we were doing at Dragstrip, now people don't think twice it's called the iPod Shuffle. Yeah. You have all your favorite songs in your iPod iPod, yeah. and they just come up as your favorite songs. Right. They, they don't, don't have to, to
0: be in a theme or connect well, that's to each other. What, that's right. They're so like my mixtapes. They're so fucking random that I make.
1: That's mm-hmm. how we DJed. It yeah. was like, we're just going to draw on all the best music that's ever come out and make yeah. people dance and happy. They're going to know almost everything we play yeah. and be like, oh my God, I oh love my this God, song. he's playing, you know, these boots are made for walking. Yes.
0: I don't like when DJs are like, I'm so ahead of you. I'm so hip. Oh, no, but see. Just play Holiday. Come on.
1: Here's the thing. We, <laughs> we knew we could play like three songs yeah. you would adore. Right. And then we could throw in some brand new thing that we yeah. loved. And by yeah. then you're, you're drunk and you've trusted us. Yes. And you'll go with it. Okay. And then we'll come back to something you love. I mean, that yeah. is a great DJ where yeah. you... You ha- you can't just be
2: one or the other. You it's have the balance. To, it's the balance. I yeah. love that. But okay. what what song did you have a song on? I, I I don't know the name of the song, but it was by Third Eye Blind, and I remember when it came oh, on. Oh, yeah, do, 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 do. that was do, do, semi
1: semi semi But so
2: it just came on against something like something by Laura Branigan, let's say, and I just remember thinking. This is fucking fantastic. Yeah, I mean, what a great
0: choice. That's so, a, that, and that happened all the time. That's a that's so nineties. That song, my song.
2: Yeah,
1: and this is this is part. And you can see some of this in the clips that we have. Right. It was Hole. Okay. From Hole's live through this album. Okay. And It's a song called Violet. And go on, take everything, take everything. You know. Yeah. And when we would play it, there would be. A drag queen, an alternative boy mosh pit, a circular swirl of people on the drag strip dance floor, like that you would see at Lollapalooza. We had all these gay people moshing to alternative rock. For me, that's like you know. You said, "What do we do at the end of the night?" I would probably brag about. Did you see the mosh pit?
0: We we made a mosh pit happen. Yeah,
1: we made a a real mosh pit happen by playing Hole. Show me where that happened someplace else. With outside. drag queens. With drag queens.
0: I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a wonderful note to end on. It's been really fun talking to you. It makes me so nostalgic for that time in that club. Mm-hmm. It really it does have a place in my heart. And I didn't even go. I just discovered it kind of late. It's
1: all right. Better late than never.
0: I know. You, you felt, felt good. it. You I felt think, it. No, I did. I did, I did. All right. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. Thank you, Dennis. Good luck with the project, and I can't wait to see it. Thank you. All right, bye. Thanks again to Paul and Phil and support their movie. Uh, It's going to be a great document of a really special time in L.A. and gay history. All right. um, Oh, I also want to say that I'm partnering with Frontiers on this episode. And um, I asked Paul and Phil after we wrapped recording what the most memorable, crazy thing they ever saw happen ...during a show at Dragstrip, and they told me a really funny story, and I'm going to be writing up a little blurb about it, and it's going to be on the Frontiers website um, starting Wednesday of this week. That's FrontiersMedia.com, and thanks to Frontiers for, for uh, partnering with us. All right, so this happened. Not a lot of big news this week um, in my life, but I did discover the show Unreal on Lifetime. Is anyone watching this? It's a behind-the-scenes drama about the making of a show like The Bachelor, And it is so well done, and so squirmy, and it really captures that soul-deadening aspect of the entertainment business. Uh, There's an actress on named Shuri Appleby, who's like the main character. She's like this mid-level producer, and she's got the deadest soul-dead eyes of anyone I've ever seen on television. And, ugh, it's really, they really nail it. It's really well done. Although I may just have to turn away at some point, because it's just going to hit too close to home. But if you haven't checked it out, it's definitely some juicy summer viewing. All right. That's all I have. Thanks again to Paul and Phil. And thank you for listening. Hopefully we got the sound uh, taken care of. And we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.